the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Wonderful, rousing score from an underrated film. Crawl, check it out. K-R-U-L-L. Bit of 80s fantasy sci-fi. It is the theme we have adopted for our podcast, The Battle for 1600. He's my regular guest every week on our regular radio show, America First. He's my former colleague from the White House, Boris Epstein. Are you there, Baron Boris? The Baron is in the house. Is he smoking a rather large cigar? Uh, the Baron is not smoking right now, but is planning on smoking a later a nice, large, full Churchill. Uh, what t- Do you have a time? Do you, do you, is there a time before which, during the day, you will not smoke a cigar, Baron? So... You know, it's What's the rule? What's the Baron's rules for smoking? The, the, the Baron has rules that are always sort of in my dreams to break. You know, if it were up to me, <laughs> if it were up to me, and, and I could sort of put all of my concerns out the window, I would be in the Churchill mode, okay? Okay. I would wake always, up. Always, 24-7. 20, you'd be doing a Winnie. You'd be doing a Winnie Churchill. 24-7. The whole time, exactly. The whole time. But? You know. But you can't do that. You know, Churchill, or, uh, or you could go back, USS Grant, Ulysses yes. Grant. You know, just always with a cigar. You could be that guy. Now, nah, you know, that's, that's not reality. My wife would probably kill me. <laughs> plus, plus, you know. But I will tell you, I mean, it didn't do badly for Churchill. He, he had a nice long life. He right? did. So, he did. Um, um, he may have pickled himself with three bottles of brandy a day and the cigars, but I'm not sure. What about, you know what I like? Even early in the morning, you could have... One of the little cigarillos with your cappuccino. You know what I mean? Those little tabba tips, those little creme, cafe creme cigarillos. My, you could, but then my day would be done. Okay, so really? It, yeah, I mean, I would just. Just I would one of those start, little ones. I would, but then I would, I, I'd be done with it, and I say, well, why don't I smoke the a, a real why, one? Why don't I go for a wide, <laughs> for for a shorter a wide full Churchill. Churchill? And then after I'm done with that, I say, well, you know what? It's already lunchtime. You know, um, so in reality, the way you generally works out for me is I generally like to smoke after an early dinner. So I'll have an early dinner. Yes, you it, know, it makes such a difference to have it post prandial after dinner is the right time. Right. But before we lose all of our non-smokers, where do you stand on robustos? Uh, I'm I'm completely in favor of robustos. Okay. Just, how how could one not be? Yeah, when you're in a hurry, I, I I like big cigars, but when you're in a hurry, those robustos hit the spot. Okay, enough, enough. So, but hold on, let me add one more thing. No, for those. no yes. I have to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So for those of you who are, who first of all, you know, <laughs> read the Surgeon General's warning. Warning. Okay. <laughs> But for, this is a PSA on cigars, and we love a, them. This Carry is a on. pro cigar PSA. 
um, for those of you dabbling, um, uh, for those of you enjoying a lot, for those of you thinking of getting into it, a Robusto is a perfect cigar because it's about an hour-long smoke. Oh, no, no. Are you serious? I smoke a Churchill, a full-length Churchill, in 40 minutes. Well, I don't know what you're doing with it. <laughs> <I'm doing> a, <laughs> well, you smoke, the, it takes an hour to smoke a Robusto? Well, I Are like you actually to, putting it in your mouth? I like to enjoy or the just cigar. just watching it. I like to enjoy I'm not nursing my cigars, okay, Mr. Gorka. I don't do the Gorka. What are you, inhaling them? No, no, to be truthful, to be a full disclosure, I smoke my cigars very fast. Very fast. Wow, that's fast. Very fast. Why do you do that? Just because you like it? I just like it. And I love, you know, filling the room with smoke. I actually like the smell of cigar smoke after I've smoked it. I mean, I go back into my office. And people, some people hate. It. I love the smell of That's cigar good. smoke. Well, okay, so for and those, I, I'm of, lucky. I have a private, I, I have a private house, a private office where my wife says, "You, you want to smoke a cigar? Off you go over there. Off you go, or on the patio. I like the patio. Yes. So, okay, for those of us <laughs> who, are not, normally. who are not, <laughs> who are not speed racing through the cigars, <laughs> a, a robusto should take, I think, about 45 minutes. Uh, okay. If you want to, if you go fast, probably takes you what half hour, twenty okay, minutes. Okay, stop it now, because we really—I don't, I don't know how many people smoke cigars. Right, we'll, move, we'll move on but now. We'll, no, for those thing, of you, one who, thing, one thing, th- quick recommendation: your favorite brand. My, if I had to pick one cigar to smoke for the rest of my life, yes. it would be a Monte Cristo Number Two. <laughs> totally mind melded. Totally mind melded. That's my favorite cigar. I've also discovered uh, the Melania, a fabulous, fabulous. Um, what does that make? It's Oliva. The, Oliva Melania Serie V, incredible cigar. I'll have to check that out. Little bit, a little bit more expensive than the average cigar, but well worth the money. Okay, I think this podcast is called the Battle for sixteen hundred, meaning sixteen hundred. It's, it's, it's not, it's not called the Battle for the a Battle for, for a, a good large, smoke for, for a large, large ga- for a large gauge <laughs> cigar. It's not called that. <laughs> but we have fun, and we're allowed to have fun. Yes. That's why people like this podcast. So let's get to business. Let's play. Um, <laughs> This was the news for the last 48 hours. I dedicated an hour to this topic yesterday with my personal physician in studio. (laughs) And Jimmy Kimmel couldn't drop it either. Let's listen to the big news about our former boss, the 45th president of the United States. Why would he do this to prevent coronavirus and not wear a mask to prevent the virus. I thought about it for a long time last night. I've come to what I think is the only reasonable conclusion. He's trying to kill himself. Remember how we all said he didn't really want to be president? He wished he was home at Mar-a-Lago playing golf and finding ways to humiliate his friends, that he's miserable in the White House? Well, guess what? I think we were right, and I think he's had enough. I think he's worried he might get reelected. He hates his life. And of course he does. Imagine having to live every day knowing that any minute now, Don Jr. or Eric could walk in and say, hi, Dad, it's a nightmare. Donald Trump could be the first president who ever tried to assassinate himself. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel, who I think he's still on Wikipedia as a comedian, but not after that. Um, what is, was that? Is, he, is Jimmy Kimmel okay? I don't know, but he was referring to the president saying in a press conference that he takes hydroxychloroquine and has done for two weeks. As have I. I've been taking it for a month, and I'm not taking it because I want to kill myself. And I don't think the president wishes to assassinate himself, and I don't even think that's mildly amusing. But if anybody's had a bad time for the last three years, if you had to choose between Donald Trump and Jimmy Kimmel... Who would you put 
as the first person who's really had a bad time, Boris? Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, his last three years have just been... The show's pathetic. ...grousing and grousing and bile-filled and just not funny. No, he's crying on there. He's yes! Bitching he's bitching and moaning. He's like, he's like almost a sadder version of Brian Stelter. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's just, it's not good. It's like he's not having a good time. He's not Plus, morbid. He's a, the, the non-morbidly obese version of Brian Stelter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> it had to be done. Come on, come on, and come then, on. And then, yeah. I wonder hey, if by, by, by the way, is Jerry Nadler, I mean, if somebody's morbidly obese, isn't it Jerry Nadler? Okay, so I, I knew we were going to go there. Today. No, you said we're not going to go there, and well, I just but, went there. But now we're there, so I knew we were going. No matter what I said, I could have said to you, I uh, could have seen you, Sebastian. I will give you $100 million not to talk Don't about it. Don't say it. You would have been like, you know, it just <laughs> happened. It just, just crept up okay, on okay, me. Okay, so let's, here's the reality of it. Neither you nor I are the skinniest of gentlemen, okay? But we're, none of us are Jerry Nadler. And if, 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 if Nancy Pelosi wants to open up physical attacks and quote-unquote you know what, what the what the kids are calling fat shaming these days let's have it let's have let's have a good time i mean this brings us right into the the wonderful completely surreal puff piece in the washington post on <sighs> stacy abrams okay i thought when i first saw this i i saw the i thought it was a joke the photograph that made stacy abrams um look Try to make her look like she's wearing a cape or something. Like she's you know, a in the story hero. they said that she walks on the stage like a supermodel. I thought this so, was a joke. I thought somebody photoshopped this tweet. I thought it was a joke. But the Washington joke, Post went there. They called her a supermodel and did this massive puff piece. Does anybody does anybody take the Washington Post seriously anymore, Boris? No, and definitely not after that. I mean, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment to news. And here's the thing. Let's just take. Let, let's just be real. Can, can, can I just before we go on? And sure. I hate doing this. This is the woman who thinks she's still governor. Uh, thinks that she's she governor. Won the, she hasn't conceded and yet. Do, do you know how many votes she actually lost by? Fifty thousand. Fifty-five thousand. You know what? That's a lot 50, of votes. Fifty-five thousand <laughs> in one That's state. A lot of votes. You know that Romney lost the whole country by only two hundred fifty thousand right. in twelve. She lost fifty-five thousand in one, one and state. she's getting investigated still for that election for yeah. for uh, for misdeeds by her campaign. Stacey Abrams is one of the, sort of I think exemplifies of everything that's bad about today's politics is you could be a loser you have no, you could have not really any original ideas but if you scream loud enough that you're a somebody then you're then, then the democrats believe you're a somebody and if you play the if you play the minority card if you play the you know the the I'm a victim card you could be a somebody i mean she's giving interviews where she says well if it's not a black woman as biden's vp i'm going to be very concerned that's just a very that's a thinly veiled threat. Yeah, isn't that isn't that the kind of political extortion that that Al Sharpton's been doing for decades? Talk about a guy who used to be fat. Oh my gosh, yeah, but he had his stomach stapled. Now he's didn't not, he? now now you, you, you turn sideways, you can't see him. Al, where'd you go? Well, you know? yeah, but he still can't read a teleprompter. No, you can't. Okay, Al's a disaster. Come on, Al's a disaster. He smoked. Yeah. The only thing about Al is good is he smokes cigars and he smokes. He does. Them. Oh no, you just ruined my day, Boris. Are you and, serious? And, and I'm going to tell so the listeners here. This is not another cigar, a long <laughs> cigar aside, but something you would never expect that I could I could share here. It is well-known New York lore that Al Sharpton and Rudy Giuliani have been known to smoke cigars together at the what? Grand Havana Club at 666 Fifth Avenue in New York City. What? Did you That's- just say 666? 
That's the that's the building. It's six six six. Oh my gosh! The conspiracy theorists are going to go crazy when they hear that. Well, it's, they're going to say, "Mark of the Beast, come on! It's a very Why well did you known, do that?" It's a very well known building. Uh, uh, it's a building that's actually owned by Krishna Companies um, on on fifty fifth and uh, on uh, sorry on fifty third and uh, and fifth there. It's a beautiful, beautiful building. On the top is the Grand Havana Club. You go up there and there's all kinds of interesting people and very well known that Al Sharpton and Mayor Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, have been known to uh, puff on some stogies together. So it, just imagine that and maybe that's sort of the good old days, right, when you could have somebody from the right and the left be together or somebody from the right like Rudy Giuliani and somebody who's a, uh, who, who, who's a, a narc for, <laughs> for the feds <laughs> like Al Sharpton. I, I, anyway. have to, I have to say, though, I, I I don't know Al Sharpton, but I do know Rudy is just a fun guy to hang out with. Okay, oh, no doubt whoever not. you are, he's a fun guy to hang out with. And maybe Al Sharpton was just you know, doing his informant duties and trying to trying to <laughs> tape everyone. But you know, so so what does are- this say? Let's go. Let's go back to what this says. Yes. So the Washington Post does this ridiculous, fawning, oleaginous, yes. dripping puff piece on Stacey Abrams. Is this, is this a signal of something in terms of the next 166 days in terms of the general election and, and Biden's picks? It's a signal of where the media stands, which is mm-hmm. complete derangement, complete Trump derangement syndrome that anybody who positions themselves as anti-Trump, anti-Republican, anti-conservative is going to be made into pretty much a deity. And that's what they did in the story. You look at all, the, not just the picture, and you, you know, you have to put it up or, you know, uh, for those who are watching on YouTube. It's not, the picture is not, it's her standing as this demigod and she's got the cape of Stacey Abrams. It's crazy. And even some Democrats have said, you know, you can't bring loserships to a, win- to a winner's window, you know, about her. <laughs> that's but, a good that, phrase. I like but that. But that's where it is. Yeah, there's some old school Democrats, you know, who are talking like that and they're calling like it is because they remember what the Democratic Party used to be, where you have to be somebody who's come up through the ranks and somebody who's earned at least some credibility, right? The, the, the version of the Democrat, Democratic Party of the 90s to a degree, which I disagreed with on everything, but at least you could say, okay, that's a person I could, I could deal with, I could respect. What does Stacey Abrams stand for? Uh, being a sore loser. Right. And that's it. I mean, what, what, policy, what, what policies does she stand for? Vic, victimhood? I, voter I don't fraud? Know. Voter fraud, right? She's for voter fraud. And, so and, and extorting positions based upon race and gender. Right, she's, extor- she's extorting this poor old white guy in Joe Biden. <laughs> I mean, you know, and this this is the crux of our podcast here, right? It's the battle for 1600. Right. And as the as the battle lines are being drawn, here's what you have: you have President Trump on one side, who's strong, who's full of pragmatism, who's full of stamina, versus Joe Biden, who's a total disaster. You know, the the Trump campaign started this awesome website, Truth Over well, Facts. facts. Which is what, which is what uh, Biden's actually said. Yeah. He, he said those words. And, and then you know, some of the videos that are on the website now, you can go check it out, truthoverfacts.com. Uh, so it, it, one of them is a video of, uh, of Biden forgetting the Declaration of Independence. I mean, come on. Do you know what? <laughs> just as, as, you're, truthoverfacts.com, as, you said it, as, as you said it, I just typed in truth into the search bar, okay? Do you, know, do you know what the th- – you just type in truth. Do you know what the, the, the second thing that comes up is? Truth oh. comes up. Second, truth over facts. That's right. stunning. That's Joe. I mean, that's thanks to Joe. The second search item that comes up 
Is truth over facts? That's incredible. Uh, let, let's let's put this in, in the perspective of, of the podcast. We're talking to Boris Epstein, former special assistant to President Trump, uh, now member of the Trump 2020 campaign advisory board. Follow him at Boris EP and Breakfast with Boris dot com. Is does this mean that she has a shot? Could you imagine that she could be actually the VP choice for Biden after the convention? For sure. Wow. For sure. Of course. She's bullying him into it. And it's not like you know he's got any other, other good choice. I mean, what are you looking at? Gretchen Whitmer, terrible, has done a horrible job in Michigan trying to prevent people from planting seeds in their backyard. Amy Klobuchar, which, you know, fall asleep before you finish saying her name. So you don't, you don't believe the, the, the theories about Hillary as the vice president? I don't know why she would do that, man. I mean, okay. You're Hillary Clinton. You have run for president twice and have lost badly twice and really unexpectedly once, unexpectedly both times by, by a lot of people. We expected to win, but you know, the sort of the, the public at large and the, the media at large, the, oh, Hillary Clinton 2016, right? But you, don't forget, 2008 was a huge upset. When Barack Obama beat Hillary Clinton. So she's, yes. she's lost twice, badly twice, surprised yes. herself and her supporters twice. And, what, and, and she's going to be a vice president to Joe Biden now? I don't, I my, don't my, know. That's my argument. That's what I've always said. And, you know, conspiracy theories are fun in terms of just entertainment. But the idea that a woman of that unparalleled ambition, that right. unbridled greed for power all her life, would countenance even for a day right. being the deputy to somebody like Vice, but like Biden, I just don't buy it. No, well, I mean, why would she, why would she do that? Well, because, on, on the chance of you know, Twenty Fifth Amendment, he's incompetent. I take over, but I still can't see her doing it just because of her ego. Right, her ego, and also it's not like she's a spring chicken. Right, right. So it just it doesn't make any sense. I don't think it makes any sense for Democrats either because. If, if they think that Hillary is going to drive votes, if they think Hillary could win, they're better off just replacing him with her. Right. Now, if there's a thought that he nominates, that he picks her as the nominee, then he steps down in September, maybe. But that's, you know, the ballots are getting printed. That's a mess. That's a disaster. Yeah. Right? So I, I don't think Hillary Clinton, I don't think the Clintons, right, are in a position really to say we're going to be the vice presidential team. You, think, any- you don't think they still have access to the levers of power inside the old establishment pre-AOC DNC? I think they do. I think, I think she's got a better shot of pushing to be the presidential nominee okay. and saying, hey, kick Joe to the curb. I'm the person that, that you need. At least I've got my wits about me to some degree. You know? But that, that would have to happen soon. It would have to happen between now and the convention, but it could very much happen at convention. And it's happened, you know, the, the, the real reason the convention started, right? The real reason that we go through this process, the nomination, nominating process, isn't just for balloons to fall and for people <laughs> to f- put on funny hats, right? The real reason for conventions used to be to pick the nominee. Yes. And that happened a lot of times yeah. for a long time. It was a cage match, and you picked the nominee at the end of the convention. Yeah, and people forget things like it's recently in you know, 1960, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson said he wasn't going to run against JFK, but then he threw his hat in at convention. Right. 68, LBJ said, I, w- I will not run nor will I accept. But then nevertheless, 
he um, uh, he threw his hat in at convention. He, he, Did you he, study he, history? Because I know you're a trained lawyer, Georgetown, just in case people want oh, to know. Because they know, yeah. Uh, but did you study history formally? Uh, so, formally, I mean, right? But I, in I college? Took, yeah, I took a lot of history classes in college. But I was in an international relations um, uh, major in college, but I took a lot of history classes. Not actually a ton of U.S. history, but I've just studied that on my own. Because you always bring it. You always bring your history game, and we lo- I love it, and I know the listeners to our podcast love it too. I appreciate that. I think it's very important. It is. And first of all, it's interesting, right? So it's important it's context. to set a picture, it's context. to set the context, yeah. exactly. People could picture LBJ, right? And they think of, oh, I didn't know that. And then right. hopefully they learn something, and then they sign up and, and, and tell their friends, and we have more listeners, and that, that's what we want, right, to spread the word. Indeed. And just in case I've looked it up, it is the truthoverfacts.com. That's the Trump campaign's new sub-website on the incredible flaming dumpster disaster that is the Biden campaign. Check it out, thetruthoverfacts.com. And while you're at it, don't hesitate. This is why Boris works so hard on that advisory committee. Go to donaldjtrump.com. Sign up. Get notifications of all the things that are happening in the campaign and what the president is doing and enlist in his uh, army, making America great again. It's DonaldJTrump.com. I'm Sebastian Gorka, former strategist to Donald J. Trump. This is, of course, the podcast for 1600. Check out our daily show. It's called America First. You can listen to it 24-7 at SebGorka.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A.com. And very excited about this. I almost forgot to mention this. We have our new YouTube website. We only created it a couple of months ago, and it just, thanks to Eric, thanks to John, it just blew 100,000 subscribers. We have had more than 3 million views on our on our new YouTube channel in just the last two weeks. Subscribe. It's free. Anything you miss from the radio show, it's filmed. We put it up there, the monologues, the guests. We had a three-hour special, a three-hour special last week on Obamagate. Go to YouTube, look for my name, Sebastian Gorka, and America First. Click on it, subscribe, hit the notifications bell twice so you never miss any of the segments with Boris or anything that we do. It is our YouTube channel, and everything you need to know is there. Um, I mentioned our Obamagate special. Um, Boris, this is a podcast that we specially put together with you because of the presidential election. That's why it's called The Battle for 1600. Last few days, it is tough to keep up with the news cycle. Um, so let's, let's talk about the latest revelations. As we record this, in the last 24 hours, uh, documents have been declassified, a top-secret email that Susan Rice, Obama's national security advisor, and I, bear with me because the context, again, is so important, This is National Security Advisor to President Obama. On the day of Donald Trump's inauguration. So she shouldn't even be at a computer. Her her boxes should be packed. She shouldn't be in the White House. She should be out of there. Because the second that our old boss raised his hand, and she wrote this at about 12 o'clock. So just before 12 o'clock, allegedly, at 12 o'clock, the president-elect raises his hand, swerves his oath of office, becomes the 45th president, and she's in the, oh, she's in the White House on a government computer writing herself, so weird, writing herself a top-secret email 
where she is attempting to memorialize right. the meeting she had with her boss 15 days prior in the White House, in the Oval Office, with Obama, January 5th. So I, I, I want everybody to understand the, the, the context because it's really heavy. She's writing an email two weeks later, weird, saying, oh, do you remember that uh, in our meeting in the White House with the president, Vice President Biden, James Comey, the FBI director, Jim Clapper, director of, uh, of uh, national intelligence, and the uh, deputy attorney general, Sally Yates, when it comes to Russia collusion, investigation of Russia meddling in the elections, um, and General Flynn and everything else, President Obama said he wants everything done by the book and that he will not be involved in any law enforcement activities. That email has been declassified yesterday thanks to Rick Grinnell, the acting director of National Intelligence. This, if you add that to last week's revelation that Obama briefed at the same meeting Sally Yates, the Deputy Attorney General, on the surveillance of General Flynn, the incoming National Security Advisor, that she was unaware of, and he had to brief her. This means that the the whole Obamagate, the whole Russiagate conspiracy went all the way to the top, to President Obama. Um, Sorry for the big lead-in, but I need our listeners, if you haven't been following the, the daytime show, to know the details how much will this be an issue when Americans go into that polling station on November 4th? Or what is it, November 3rd, Boris? November 3rd, right. Okay. It depends if there are there is proof, which there appears that there should be, that high-level officials in the Obama-Biden administration blatantly lied, including lied under oath. We now, we now know that it seems like Samantha Power lied when she said that she did not participate in the unmasking of General Flynn. Or hundreds of other people that have been unmasked in NSA intercepts, allegedly at her request. She said she didn't do it. Right. So so, so that's a a high-level lie. Susan Rice then, you know, said in interviews that she had no idea about any sort of investigations, and that that seems to have been a lie. I will tell you that an email like that, a CYA email, cover-your-ass email like that, definitely raises a lot of questions. And if anything, she would have been better off not sending it, really. I mean, as a lawyer, just as a lawyer, we need the sniff test here. You're writing an email to yourself the day you have to leave your position. Within within minutes. Within minutes, exactly. On a meeting that occurred 15 days earlier, doesn't the whole thing just stink? Totally. And, you know, I lived this, right, because I was the communications director for the inaugural. So I, I lived the, the timeline minute by minute of what happens right. when the president-elect becomes the president of the, of the United States. I had the honor of being up there on the platform behind the president and, and watching him sworn in a, really a, a moment of a lifetime. You know? he, I was down on the floor. I was on the ground. 
He was behind the president. That's who Boris is. Okay? Well, you know. He's a big man. Big man. <laughs> no, reward, rewarded for his work on the campaign, seriously. The campaign, and then, you know, the, the, it was really the reason, part of the reason I was up there also is because I was the one that was putting together the communications right. for the inaugural. The interesting thing is an aside for our listeners, which is what we like to give them a little bit of an inside view, if, as the communications director for the inauguration, not only did I oversee the messaging, but I also oversaw the logistics of the coverage. Wow. So, you know, where the media would go, where the cameras are positioned. So it's interesting. You get, really get an inside view. And I'm so thankful that the, 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 the then-president-elect, President Trump, trusted me uh, to, to, to take on that role. It was a wonderful experience that I, that I treasure. Um, so, you know, the minute-by-minute, the second-by-second minute, second really timeline is known, right? Once, once noon strikes, the president raises his hand, the president-elect, he is the president, the new administration is in, the old administration is out. Her email shouldn't have, if it's, you know, it, it seems like she did it before noon, but at noon it, her the, email the, shouldn't the have t- worked. The timestamp. Okay, this this I, I I'm not I am not feeding conspiracy theories, but I have the declassified original document in front of me. The timestamp on the email says twelve fifty four. Now, in the commentary, it states in the last day the timestamp is incorrect because she left the White House before twelve noon. I'm just putting that out there. Okay, the fact is the timestamp. At, at best, it was within minutes. So it's either eleven fifty-five, maybe, right, or maybe. it's twelve fifty-five. Right? Right, right. You know, but it's on the day it, of the inauguration. On a day of inauguration, why is she even at the office? Yeah, right. right. So she's, you know, it, the whole thing doesn't make any sense. The whole thing stinks. Um, you know, also I mean, she could have been using her remote computer too, but you know, keep that in mind. Yeah. Right, so she could have been using remote access. So, right, right. Um, do, do we know whether it was from a hard, you know, from a from a laptop or or a desktop? Do we know that? The story is that she was in the building. That's the story. So that's the story. I think there's more of the story to come out, and I think the point is that we have to have hearings about what happened. And was there an attempt at sabotage or an, an attempt at a cover up of a sabotage within minutes or even after the president became the president? Now, if she really did that after you know at twelve fifty five, after she's no longer a member of the administration. That is a violation of all kinds of rules and regulations, and, yet, and then you have to look at laws. I mean, if she's she's misusing that at that point government should, property. But not only that, it's a classified system. Right. She'd be a private citizen. I'm not saying that that's what happened, but we have to find out if that's what happened. And, and the fact that the timestamp st- says 12:55 very much worries me. Can, <laughs> very can much I, worries me. Can I ask you a question on, sure. on, on that regard? So, I have a theory that I've shared with other guests on the show, but I'm not sure I've shared it with you, and I really would appreciate your take. For me, this isn't meant to make us feel better. It's just an attempt to make an empirical observation. So it's clear we had, for eight years, one of the most corrupt administrations, from the IRS scandal, Lewis Lerner uh, targeting Tea Party organizations for discrimination, whether it's the Fast and Furious with Eric Holder being the only attorney general ever in U.S. history to be held in contempt of Congress, whether it's Benghazi, whether it's uh, the Clinton private uh, email server, on and on and on. Um, So it's clear there's moral turpitude. That's a legal term, isn't it? I like that. You like that? That's for you, Boris. So there's there's, there's a problem of just corruption. But when you see things like that email... Which is so dumb to use right. technical Bush, just, to, just you know so to use a legal term so amateurish that that a six year old knows that this is a as you said a cover your ass move 
on the day of inauguration. Who, who actually puts in writing, hey, the boss wants it done by the book. You only do that if you are not doing anything by the by book, the book. Right. and you want to have a fake paper trail. So for me, this just reinforces the impression I've had for years now that there's this malevolent arrogance and corruption, but it is melded, it is, it is mixed with incredible stupidity. I mean, the, a, a real sophisticated bad guy doesn't do stuff like that. You never see that paper trail, such a transparent attempt. It, it, do you agree that there's, the good news is they may have been bad guys, and they still are, but, but it's mixed in with a real amateurish arrogance. I agree with you 100%. Okay. And, you know, as an attorney, just looking at that email, and, and because then you have to go to state of mind, right? Yes. So what's their state of mind? Right? Oh, we're you getting know. real CSI here. We're going real NYPD blue. All right. State of mind. Okay, go ahead. What's the state of mind there? And to me, the, that state of mind is blatantly guilty. There's right. no two ways about it. Well, how does someone write that email? And, and here's another question that has to be asked and should be asked. Was she told to write the email? Mm-hmm. And if so, who told her to write the email? There's not a lot of people in that White House who, she, who Susan Rice was, was answering to. And who's, who's one of those? It's the president. Who is another who could have told her to do it? It's the vice president. Yeah. And, and, and you, know, you asked me that question about you know, how does this impact the election? Joe Biden is running because he's an extension of Barack Obama's term. That's yeah. how he's trying to He'd be it, Obama, right? th- uh, point, you know, 3.0. Obama, Obama 3.0, right. Okay. So if, if, as it seems, Biden is knee or neck deep in all of these misdoings and all of these wrongdoings and all of the, you know, if, again, attempted sabotage, silent coup, all the terms we've used, it seems that Biden's neck deep in it. And if that's the case... That is going to be a huge issue, and he's going to be asked about it over and over again by our side. Now, of course, the media is going to try to gloss over it. Oh, no big deal. You know, the media is just, you know, most of the media is disgustingly corrupt. Can can I share something with you? I'm asking, no big deal. You know, this letter, no big deal. Of course, imagine if it were the other way around. Real quick, sorry. Imagine if it's the other way around. Imagine if it was a Democrat administration coming in and Republicans did that. CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, MSDNC would be melting down. Down. Melting down. I, I just heard this um, today on a radio interview, and I'm going to ask the person who said it when they come on my show today. So uh, we know dozens of people unmasked General Flynn. Dozens. We know that individual actors like Samantha Power, Obama's ambassador to the UN, unmasked not General Flynn hundreds of times, hundreds of Americans. 260 unmaskings in just one calendar year. Apparently, and I'll verify this today, General Flynn, who not only ended up as national security advisor to our old boss, Donald Trump, but in the Obama administration was director of defense intelligence. Intelligence, yep. Mm -hmm. 33 years in the army. He ran intelligence in Afghanistan. In his whole career, General Flynn unmasked one person, made one request, one request in 33 years. And the Obama administration was handing unmasking requests out like candy right. bars. And Flynn, was, and, and Flynn ran the operation that killed al Zarqawi. Yeah. 
And right, that, so what and, does that tell you? Right. Yeah, the, yeah we, who are the patriots? Who are the good guys? All right, let's, uh, let's, let's get back to the, the business uh, of the day. Um, the, I, I asked you whether that's going to make a difference. I you, think it makes a difference. I think it makes a difference if, if the American people see just how corrupt, yeah. just how wrong the members of the Obama team were. And if Biden's running on that, it's going to hurt him. Plus, there's this latest information about the, uh, you know, the, the the recording of his call with the Ukrainian prime minister, and you know, some apparently sinister things uh, potentially going on there. Haven't gotten to the bottom of it yet, but again, just Biden moves that stink, and that's another one. And and I think this returns us to the last question for the day. I, I do believe somebody has taken your advice in the campaign in the White House. Because more and more I'm, I'm seeing messaging from what you suggested two weeks ago that the big deciding point, the key question, or what should be the key question in 166 days, Boris, is China. Is which candidate is going to keep us safe and which, which candidate is going to deal with the threats emanating from China, whether it's coronavirus or anything else? Are you also seeing the same uh, since we last spoke? Absolutely. Uh, you, you've seen you know, a lot of Beijing Biden messaging from the campaign. I like seen, that. I, whoever came up with that, genius. I love Beijing, love Beijing Biden. That's, genius. You know, kudos to the White House. Kudos to Brad and the campaign. I, I think that the more their messaging focuses on Biden's close relationship with our adversary, which is China, on Biden attempting to deal in the interest of himself and his son Hunter Biden in Ukraine, which is some of the more recent revelations and revelations from a long time ago of him, you know, totally bragging about getting a prosecutor fired who was looking into his son and, and holding a billion dollars of USAID hostage to that point to Ukraine. Oh, I said, you better, I'm leaving in six hours and I got a billion dollars. And then as Biden said this, son of a bitch, the prosecutor got fired. So Biden and he jokes fired. about it. He, he jokes about it. He brags about it at the fancy Council of Foreign Relations meeting. So Biden has really underscored time and time again what the former Obama Secretary of Defense, Robert Gates, said about him, is that he's been wrong on every single national security, international relations issue at that time over the last 40 years. 40 now years. it's pretty much 50 years. I mean, Joe Biden is a, a joke, and in being a joke, he has let himself or he's decided to be a pawn of China, and he was a pawn of China for a long time, and he still won't attack China. He says, oh, the president going after China is wrongful, you know, to paraphrase, and he attacks the president, right. attacks President Trump for being strong on China, and that is not a good way to win Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, or, or Florida, or anywhere in the country, really. I mean, if you're, if you're championing our adversary, China, which has unquestionably been the root cause of this terrible Wuhan virus disease. China covered it up. China let it spread. China did not, did not alert the world. China worked with its agent, the WHO, the World Health Organization, to keep it quiet. And now we have almost 100,000 Americans dead. And if you think that playing up to China, Joe Biden, is going to work, it's not. And that's why the campaign in the White House are very smartly saying Joe Biden would be a China puppet in the White House. And the American people do not want that. So I tell you, I think that there's a reason. There's a reason that if you look at the polling, and you know, we all know the polling of President Trump has historically always undercounted his support. But even as is, do you know where President Trump's approval rating 
was as of the last Gallup poll last week? Higher than both President Bush and Obama at the same Correct. time in their first term, which is crazy. That's After it's the cr- media atmosphere of the last three and a half years, he's still in a better position. Isn't that incredible, Boris? It's incredible, and it's a testament to this president's ability to cut through. It's a, it's a testament to his ability to talk directly to Americans. It's a testament to his Twitter account. It's really <laughs> a, a testament to who the president is and that he's able to beat back a disgustingly biased media. I mean, imagine if President Trump got even a quarter of the coverage that Stacey Abrams got in that Washington Post piece. Right, right. Could you imagine that? What do you think? His approval rating would be at 60 if, you know, if it went. I mean, it's really a... Uh, it's a fascinating story to tell how the president has been able has been able to push through the negative veneer of the of most of the media and say to the American people, "I'm your leader. I'm leading you through the good times when because we had the best economy in the world, yes. lowest unemployment in history, uh, we had the strongest national security, which we still have, and now leading us through a crisis and back out of it." The president has been able to. Tell the American people that, show them that, and that is reflecting in those approval ratings, which I think is, are much actually higher, even than the ones we're seeing in the numbers. Indeed. Uh, but we have a long way to go, 166 days to go uh, oh, let, bef- before totally. we sign off. Um, if somebody's listening, if somebody caught this podcast because somebody recommended it to them, uh, they're not really political, but they, they've enjoyed the podcast and, and they enjoyed what they've seen coming out of the White House and how the president fights for America – what would you recommend to somebody like that who, who wants to get more involved in politics and wants to support the president, Boris? Well, first of all, if you recommended this podcast and you haven't signed up yet, you better sign up, okay? <laughs> Battle for 1600. Second of all, uh, if you are looking to help the president, go to DonaldTrump.com, volunteer. If you can, if you can support, you know, even with a couple of bucks, do it. Otherwise, if you want to volunteer, you want to pound the pavement, find, you know, it, it, as the campaign rallies, as the campaign comes back from this coronavirus, I think you know in the summer, you'll know, find a, lo- a, a local branch of the campaign, find a way to and, find a way to volunteer, and I find can, a way to go out there and stomp for the president and put some yard signs up. And not only that, to date, even easier members of my family are making phone calls for the campaign, and right. the, it, they could, you know they'll give you all the information. You're going to be making wherever you are. You could be making phone calls for battleground states. They'll give you the information. Volunteer today. Become part of Team MAGA. DonaldJTrump.com. Follow our guest. My co- not my guest. He's my co-host on the podcast. Guest on the show. He's Boris EP on Twitter. Breakfastwithboris.com. He's on the advisory board of the Trump 2020 campaign. I'm Sebastian Gorka, former strategist to President Trump. You can follow me on. Twitter at sebgorka.com. If you like this podcast, give us a review. That's Say right. you like it. Give us you know maximum ratings. Share it. Spread the word. And tune in to America First, where you can hear the, Bar- the Baron every Wednesday. Don't miss an episode. Thank you, Boris. Hey, before we go, I want to say one more thing to the American Yes. And we've seen this last week. I've, we've seen videos, you know, of the gym in Belmar, of people yes, all over in the New Jersey, who, right? New, yeah, New Jer- Belmar, New Jersey, which is my, you know, my home state, New Jersey. I know that gym with Tillis in Belmar. Oh, really? So I know, yeah. I haven't been there, been by it. Yeah, no, Belmar, you know, Jersey, the great Jersey Shore. I even tweeted it out. Jersey, that's what it is. You know, a, a lot of patriots. You know, what I want to say to the American people, those listening to us, is that do not let yourself be denigrated 
by so many on the left and so many in the media who are saying, oh, well, you should just listen to, you know, listen to everything you're told by anybody and stay home and, and don't go out and don't breathe and don't, you know, don't be yourselves. You have to be vigilant. You have to be safe. You absolutely have to follow the president's guidelines. But we are Americans. We are Americans, and this is a free country. Don't tread on me stands for what this country is all about. So those people, you know, I, I tweeted about this yesterday, who say, oh, well, look at other countries. People there aren't trying to be free and aren't trying to get back out there. Well, you know what? Yeah, Germans are pretty good at following directions. How did that work out? Out. Um, you're a brain, you're a mind reader. I think we have that audio. It's from the New Jersey gym. It's cut nine. Um, let's end the podcast for today with this message you from safe. the New Jersey police and those people at that gym in New Jersey. Goodbye, everybody. Give us a review. Rate the podcast. Let's close on cut nine. Bye-bye. Normally, you are all in violation of the executive order. On that note, on that note, have a good day. Everybody be safe. Thank you.